I am really kind of sad today. Um, this is the last story in our series, and uh, it is another really, really good one, but I've heard from some people uh, already uh, over the course of dinner and just kind of visiting and hanging out with you guys. They're like, hey, does this story have to end and we have to go back to you preaching? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Uh, but it has been an amazing, amazing summer. And uh, school starts, I think, in the next week or so, and we're going to have a guest next week, and then on August 11th, we're going to start into a new series, and you'll kind of hear some things on social media from me, but if you call Wellhouse home or you think Wellhouse might be your home, you're going to want to be here on August 11th, and then really through the next five or six weeks after that, if you can make plans to be in town, uh, we're going to be going through what we're going to call Act 2. And uh, kind of like in a play, we're going to be talking about and setting up what's next for Wellhouse. And so some really kind of visionary things in there, and I think you're going to want to be a part of that. Uh, but this series that we've been in this summer uh, has been so important because everyone has kind of set up here, if not on this stage, on some stage, because we've decided that everyone has a story. Every single one of you has a story. And you may think, well, you know what? My story's not nearly as big and powerful as some of the ones I've heard up here. But I'm telling you, in your circles with somebody somewhere, your story is every bit as important, every bit as big, every bit as faithful, and can be every bit as gospel and transformation as anything you've heard up here. We've just kind of got you thinking about your story. And so we're already hearing, again, people that are sharing their stories and telling their stories and finding ways to, to again, live out and live into these stories, and so we are just thankful for the stories. And so today we have Art and Lisa Rich with us, not to be confused last week with Lisa Richard, uh, different, we had some confusion there, but this is Art and Lisa, and I just want to say how grateful I am that you guys came into my life. Uh, a couple of years ago, I remember them coming in the back, and uh, I knew who Lisa was just from uh, some paths that had crossed in ministry. And, and so the, the pastor and me got really, really excited. I was like, yes, like somebody that's like been on staff and knows church. And, and then I, I quickly figured out, you know, that, that the best thing that, was, that you guys needed at that minute was just to kind of breathe. And we, we talked about that. And, and so the course of the next year or so, it was just amazing to get to know you guys. In fact, Lori and I switched our house group so that we could be in your house group and just be led by the two of you, and uh, which was an amazing season, getting to know some new people on the other side of town. You know, you guys, it, it, you drive all the way over, as some people say, from Mount Juliet. And uh, it was just so refreshing to get to know you guys. And then I want to kind of use this to launch into the story. We were kind of, I think, on week two or three of our house group, and there was what you called a plot twist that really has kind of, in some ways, reshaped and rocked your present and thought about the future. And so just so we're all on the same page, tell us what that plot twist was. Okay. Uh, before I begin, I, I do want to quick say thank you. Uh, we have so many uh, family and friends that came today. They left their home church to be with us and support us. So I'm so grateful for all of you to be here today. Thank you very much. Uh, it just means the world to us. Um, a year ago, we were doing our house group, and everything was great in our world. Uh, Lisa and I were doing fantastic. Work was fantastic. Lisa's ministry uh, was fantastic. Her, her book writing was going strong, and the things that, were, uh, that God was uh, doing around her were, were amazing. Uh, our son and daughter were doing fantastic in school, and it just, things couldn't have been better for us. Uh, you know, it was everything that we had worked for in our at that time, 19 years of marriage, and, and, um, and we bought a boat last year, and you know, finally, after 18 years of begging, Lisa said yes, and um, uh, you know, so life was good. We were learning how to relax and enjoy uh, the gifts that God had given us. Uh, we just we were, felt really blessed, and uh, Labor Day weekend, or the week leading up to Labor Day last year, uh, I started to not do so well. I was starting to get sick. Um, my skin was starting to turn yellow. My eyes were starting to turn yellow. It was, it was kind of weird. We went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you look a little jaundice, and, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple things going around, but, you know, we'll do some tests and, and see where, uh, see where we, we're at. And so he had scheduled a couple of things for the following week after Labor Day. Uh, I didn't make it through Labor Day. On uh, the Sunday prior to Labor Day, 
we had family in town, and we were all going out on the boat. Actually, it was Saturday. We were all going out on the boat, and um, uh, I had to sit that one out, which is the first time uh, that I hadn't been on the boat with my family, which was really weird. I just wasn't feeling great. And uh, Sunday morning, we got up, and I was really not great at all. Um, we prepared to go to church. We had family in town. They all came to church, and uh, my sister-in-law, who's a nurse, stayed at home with me, and we ended up going to the ER that morning, and we found out um, uh, through the course of events and some tests that my bile duct uh, was being blocked, and, um, and it was serious, and so they were, they were going to have to do uh, put a stent in to open that up. Um, and, of course, and the reason um, that happened was uh, there was a growth, a tumor uh, that had pressed that bile duct closed. And after a couple months of testing, uh, they finally uh, figured out, they were able to confirm that it was pancreatic cancer. And um, uh, so that just really rocked our world. Uh, the, not even, I can't even begin to describe uh, how that felt. I, I'm sure that uh, many of you have dealt with things like that, and, and, um, but it just it completely floored us uh, in a time where everything was absolutely perfect to be thrown uh, sideways like this was, uh, was something else. You know, and sideways is definitely a way to put that, because like you said, everything was positioning itself for kind of this, this next chapter, like, you, like we talked about, I mean, kids were going to be out of the house, and it was like, yeah, it was time. And, um, but one of the things, and here's where I want to shift this story. So many times, and again, just having like pastored to, to a variety of people, everybody responds differently, but you have responded so much differently that it has been absolutely inspiring. It has been perplexing at times. There are times I went, how is this even possible? Uh, the attitude that you guys have, have taken on this, and, and so I want to spend some time just kind of talking through that, because I believe that's really your story, is the way, it's not that this happens. This happens, things like this happen all around us all the time, but it's how we handle these. And uh, I knew from the beginning that you were going to handle this differently because uh, you guys set up a party where you said, all I want is cheerleaders. And this was a picture from the party. Uh, <laughs> look close, it's a costume. So for anybody who thinks, but uh, it was a coaches, coaches and cheerleaders. Coaches and cheerleaders party. And you just said, if you're going to bring, you can go ahead and get off that picture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, My butt doesn't look that good. <laughs> But it was one of those moments where you guys from said from the beginning, we are not going to let negativity into your minds and space, but you weren't going to let anybody else drag their negativity into their, you didn't want to know the stats, you didn't want to know this or that, you just said, we know uh, that, that this is going to be taken care of. And here's why, we talked a lot about this. In this, the pursuit was never, why? The pursuit... Was, de was more dealing with who is. And that in and of itself was, was, has been able to shape your last years through some really troubled times with treatments and all sorts of stuff. And so let's just talk about that. One of the things that stood out to me was that you said, nothing is promised, and then there was kind of a but. And so just kind of walk me through or walk them through that conversation about how nothing's guaranteed other than something. And that's where you found this hope or this strength to pursue what you did in this next chapter. I mean, really, it's, it's very simple for me. Um, like all of us, I've been through a lot. It doesn't matter how old you are. You've been through stuff. And um, it really boils down to this. Because when it all fades away, like we just sang, um, we have Jesus. And what does that look like? You know, Jason preached something within this time frame that really crystallized it for me into just a, a simple statement. We can't be more blessed. Well, actually, Jason was preaching, and he said, you can't be more blessed than you already are. And I kind of looked at Art, and I'm like, I got ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like... 
don't know about y'all, but I got ideas on uh, we could be more blessed if this cancer was G-O-N-E. And, um, but then he quickly followed it up with this. God gave you Jesus. You can't be more blessed than that. And I thought, that's it. That's why I have so much peace. Because God gave me Jesus. He does not owe me another thing. He doesn't owe me long life. He doesn't owe me easy. And I think in America, we've Americanized the gospel. That if I do this, this, and this, then God owes me. He does not. He gave me Jesus. I can't be more blessed than that. That's where we have operated from. That's where our peace and our strength have come from. Because take it all away, we know we have Jesus. Yeah, and one of the things that that knowledge that has turned into, again, another block of faith that has turned into a greater deal of trust was understanding this. And again, I think this is where we kind of in these moments, um, multiple things can happen based on how we respond to this uh, kind of statement. Put this on the screen. Circumstance, those change. God doesn't. And so not to get all preachy on it, but we've talked a lot about this. What if we begin to live life believing that? What if we really believed that in the moments like this, yeah, there's obviously been something changed and there's been something that's happened in my life. There's been something I don't want in my life. But again, we run to, well, something must have changed with God. I must not have done enough. I must not have, you know, I must have fallen from favor. I must have, and, there, and it goes in. And so that's what shoots us down this pathway of why am I dealing with? Instead of saying, God, I know who you are. I know that you don't change. I know that your faithfulness is what it is. I know that your promises are what they are. And your promises, and again, I think again in this kind of commercialized gospel that we sometimes preach, we think that God somehow promises us perfection and goodness, like in a sense that everything turns good. And you know, if I put my faith in God, all of a sudden it's just like this smooth road and I get to, and that is not reality. The reality is, is that God's promises of being there, of, of great hope and mercy and faith, all those things. And so again, what if we begin to real, realize that this is the reality of life, that circumstance changes? And that's why I have been so drawn to your story. That's why I have leaned in because you have shown me that even in the midst of circumstances changing, God doesn't change and your view of God didn't change. It didn't, it didn't cause you to doubt his goodness it didn't cause you to doubt whether or not he was still with you or that you were in his good grace or was his spirit somehow taken from me. It was none of those things. And one of the things that you said in that was that, that his faithfulness, that statement that he does not change, in the moments where fear, and let's be real, fear has been a part of this. Realizing that doesn't make you not human. Fear has been a part of this. There might have even been these slivers of doubt that has crept in. But you said that God's faithfulness and the understanding of that, the leaning on that, the focus on that has caused you to replace the what ifs. And so just kind of, I guess, speak to that, like that process of how do you mentally and emotionally get yourself spiritually, get to that place where when you begin to feel these things press in, what that process, and I know that you guys have kind of a process that you've done to replace or overcome or, I don't know, you know, maybe push through those moments. What does that look like? Well, I want to talk about this, but I also want you to as well, honey. Um, when this was very first starting, I am going to be real with you for a minute. When this was very first starting in, like, early October, I was sitting on the toilet. and um, I don't have a picture of that. <laughs> I sent it. You wouldn't put it up. Um, and, and I, God talks to me a lot in the toilet and in the shower. Can anybody else relate to that? Raise your hand. Thank you, my people, my tribe. So, um, and I asked God, why do you talk to me like this? Because you're quirky and this, it works. So, but I was crying because I was scared. You know, this can't be what's about to enter our life. This can't be. Um, and here's the filter that God gave me that has been what has replaced my fear when it comes, because fear does not equal a crisis of faith. Not at all. It's, it's what do you do with that fear? 
am I going to feed it or am I going to give it to the one who can heal it? And so here's the filter that he gave me. And he said, Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Lisa, is he gone today? Mm. No. Then don't live in tomorrow. And whenever I get scared, that's what I go to. That is my, my favorite verse in the Bible is 2 Corinthians 10.5. We take every thought captive. We make it obedient to Christ. Christ, Holy Spirit, gave me that filter. So the thoughts that will cause me to take my eyes off of him, he gave me a filter on how to get back. And one time, a month or so after he gave me that filter, I said, I was lying in bed and I'm just doing all the what ifs. What if he dies? What if, what if he's forever changed? What if, what if, what if? And, I'm, I, and I said to Holy Spirit, would you please hold my hand while I go over here into what if? And he said, no, because I'm not over there. So if you want to go hurt yourself, you do that. And I'll be here when you get back. And that dynamic relationship with him is not because I'm super special, but it's because of his faithfulness through the years. And that's one thing I want you to talk about, how he's never dropped us. Yeah, I, um, uh, I can relate uh, to what James told us a, a few weeks ago. Um, I don't believe, I know. Um, it, I've seen so many what Lisa and I call mini miracles happen in the last five years leading up to this situation uh, that I know God's got us. I know that I don't have to worry about the what ifs. Um, and and I, have, I have an amazing confidence in that, and that's what gets me by. Um, it, the, um, the, the things that have happened to us, um, the way that God has blessed us leading up to this is amazing and remarkable. We, I'm not sure how detailed I want to go into this story, but not too much thanks. Um, the, uh, we had, we had uh, Obamacare insurance. We used to carry really fantastic insurance, and then all of a sudden we couldn't afford that, and we were thrust into uh, the marketplace insurance, and uh, our insurance was really not great. And all of a sudden, I have uh, pancreatic cancer, uh, and, you know, which is one of the worst, if not the worst, to deal with. And I couldn't get to the best medicine available. And through a searing series of blessings uh, that are incredibly easy to see, uh, I, had, I was surrounded with people all of a sudden that made uh, things just fall into place. Uh, God put people in front of me uh, that took charge. I had a woman call me and say, you know, you haven't met me yet. Uh, but your name came across my desk. Uh, I'm the CEO of TJ Martell Foundation, and from here on out, your job is to heal, and my job is to deal with red tape. And I said, well, that's, that's all well and good, except I have no insurance. And she said, that's, you didn't hear what I just said. And within 24 hours, I had the best insurance plan I could possibly have, and I had access to Vanderbilt, I had access to MD Anderson and Mayo, and all these amazing uh, medical facilities. Uh, and that doesn't just happen. Um, God made that happen. And God made that happen uh, by starting five years ago when he moved us here. Uh, and, you know, and, and there are all these little things that piled up. Um, and uh, uh, so because of all of those things, just to bring this back, um, I know. I don't, I don't have to believe, you know, it's, I have faith, obviously, you know, and yes, I believe, but the reality is, in my heart, I know God has this. It doesn't matter what happens to me, I know that there's going to be healing. There's going to be healing in a way that we want. There's, there could be a healing in the way God, well, there will be a, a way that God wants, right? You know, and, and it could be full healing. He could bring me home. And, uh, and the, the, really, the worst part about that is that I don't get to continue to tell his, his story of how, how well he took care of us during this time. Um, Lisa, Lisa and Zandra and Lucas will be able to tell that story, but it's a great story. So, 
And I want to come back to that for just a second, but I want to come back here for just a minute because I want to capture something, no pun intended here, because I, I don't want you to miss this. You said that you take those things, you know, Second Corinthians talks about taking those things captive. I love that imagery because what if every time we begin to bump up against, oh, goodness, what if, or now what? Thinking about this insurance thing, like, okay, now what? What if we, instead of asking the Spirit to kind of mosey over here in here with us, was just have our back long enough to where we can take captive of that? I love that, that, that imagery of saying, like, it's almost like cuffing it or caging it. And then you do something with it. You don't cage it so that it gets to reside in the house. You don't cage this wild animal just to leave it in your living room. No, you cage it in order to get it to the one who can deal with it. And I love that. And so don't miss that. Like what like in these moments, I don't know, job uncertainty, health uncertainty, marital uncertainty, and these things begin to creep in. Okay, what am I going to do? What if? Why is this? What if you just immediately, the response is, cage this. I'm going to cage it. And then I'm going to transport it with the Spirit by my side so that it, it's kind of my protector in this moment so that it doesn't get out of the cage. Just, and I take it to Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I don't know what to do with this. I don't have the capacity to deal with this. I have the trust and faith in you. That's what I have. But I don't have the capacity. And we've talked about this too. If we begin chasing what ifs, number one, we're never going to get all the answers to that. We don't know why. We don't know why. And, and so if that becomes our pursuit, we'll never get clarity. And what we'll figure out very quickly is that we are incapable of fighting whatever it is on that side. You can't, you can't fight your own cancer. And so all you can do then is cage when the doubt and the fear and all that stuff begins to creep in. All I can do is what I can do through my faith, through my trust, through my understanding that circumstances change, but God doesn't. And so I'm going to continue to cage. And, and you may have to cage those every afternoon. Twice a day, but I'm caging those things and I'm bringing them back to you to deal with because I can't. I'm incapable. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't do it. And so again, now in that, I want to bridge that to, to one of the things that you guys said early on. I remember a, a Facebook Live or, or an Instagram where I think you kind of told people that here's how I'm going to handle this. And, and, and in that party with that picture that I know is still on everybody's mind, in that, in that moment, here's what you're saying. I'm not going to allow suffering to become a waste. And let's be honest, there has been, over the last year, a bit of suffering. And it doesn't matter how well you emotionally or spiritually, physically, we just, we, we wear out. We get tired. There's moments. But you said, you know what? I'm not going to allow these things to be a waste. Because, again, there's something in this. And we, we automatically run to that, too. Anytime we suffer, we go, well, this is a waste of time, energy, resource. But if you do something with it, and that's what you chose to do. So what does it look like in these moments where you say, I'm not going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to point people to something different. Instead of you just joining me in my suffering, let me take my suffering and get you to a different place. And so what does that look like in that? How you've tried to frame that. The story, the updates, all of that has just been through that lens. Yeah, we decided to be open with this journey. And so if you're not a friend uh, of mine on Facebook, it's Lisa Miller-Rich. Send me a friend request, and you can kind of follow along with where we are on this because I, I, I'm very open, very real. Art doesn't share as much on his page. He lets me be the storyteller. Um, but we decided to show it because it is hard. And, but the bottom line is we're going to have to go through this, whatever it is in any of our lives. When it gets hard, you have to be going through it. So what are you going to do with it? And it's not even like this in your face challenge. It's for me, it's, it's how to be efficient in living because I'm either going to feed that and it doesn't take a whole lot of living to know that when you feed fear, when you feed anything that is not noble, trustworthy, upright, you know, all the things that are good. When you feed to that, you, it just gets bigger. But if you starve it, if you, if you, if you return it, you know, I, I think about when, when, when we say that life is hard or this is so hard, you know, what I'm going through is so hard, 
my automatic response, and most of the time I keep it in my mouth when somebody says this, but not always, but my thing is, you know what? You know what was hard? Going to the cross. Getting nailed, getting your skin ripped off your body, getting a crown of thorns jabbed into your head, getting nailed, that was hard. Not one of us will ever be asked to do something like that. But the word of God says, but for the joy set before him, he went to the cross. The cross wasn't the joy. The joy was what's on the other side. The joy is what's on the other side. And as we look at this suffering, that instructs my path. Doing this cancer journey sucks. <laughs> like, there's no other way to, to frame that. It's been awful. But for the joy set before us, what are we going to do with it? Can we point people to Jesus through this? Oh, my goodness. We've talked about this. If one person found salvation... <laughs> uh, yeah, if one person f uh, found salvation, um, then, then God's done something great with this. And, uh, and, and that's where we try to live. I, I, think, I think we do that, you know, and that's why we want to be transparent. We want to be real. Um, I, I say quite frequently, it, it's better to look good than to feel good. Uh, <laughs> old Billy Crystal thing. And, and um, you know, and everybody comes up to me and says, oh, you look so good. And, um, uh, and you know, and, and, yeah, I try to do that. But I, um, I also try to be real and, you know, and, and share how I feel when people ask. You know, and, and uh, we don't want to hide what's going on uh, because we want people to realize that um, as we suffer as a family through this, God's taken care of us. And... Um, you know, I wake up every day uh, dealing with GI issues. What we, we, my wife has named my gut Alfred, and Alfred kind of lives a life separate from the rest of us. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it's something that we deal with every day, and yet we still go out and live life the fullest because that's what God's letting us do, and that's what God's blessed us with. I had a very rough morning yesterday and then spent five hours floating with our boat yesterday uh, because that's how God's blessed us, and that's how we live, and, and, and uh, God's given us the ability to push past the suffering. Yeah. So when you see art on Sundays, you can just say, how's Alfred? <laughs> how's Alfred, yeah. It really came down to, and this is, again, just discovering this, you, it, it, it has been a matter of what you have pursued in this. Uh, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give a direct quote. Um, put this up. It says, it's easy to say this sucks. It's holy to say God is still good. And I love the transparency in this, this whole journey with you guys because you have said this sucks. But God is still good. And there's a holiness to that. And I remember asking Lori early on when, when we... Um, found out, and I think we were heading to house group or something like that, and I told her, I said, I'm amazed at how real, but how joyful, and how holy, and how there still seems to be just an edge that's different when with other people, you know, I, I had a, a family member over the last several years that dealt with a similar cancer, and you know, and so you just begin to, and so this is, I tell you all this to say this. I looked at Lori and I said, I don't know if I would handle it the same. And so I began to play, you know, we're, we're, we're relatively close in age, and I'm going, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm going to tell you, after journeying with you guys over the last year or so, I can say with better confidence that I will. And I know that's just, you know, so my story and the way that you guys have taken suffering and chose to present it with faithfulness and God is still good and holy. and We can still experience joy even in the midst of, we got 10 hours, I'll do suffer for five and I'll go float for five. <laughs> it, it won't translate in my life in way of salvation, but it will transfer into my life an inspiration on how I'll deal with whatever comes next for me. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't know where it will hit. You know, I've watched like y'all's social media, and I know that in there somewhere there's got to be somebody. You don't have to say it by name where you're going, I'm glad they're tuning in. Or somebody behind a CMA curtain that goes, all right, I just can't believe, man, that you, that you go, God, thank you. Because they don't know Jesus. No, and, and it's that that pushes us through it. Um, there, there were many nights. You know, I, I handle everything at the stadium at CMA Fest, um, for those of you who know. And, and there were many nights that I crawled into my bed at night smiling, um, in pain, you know, and, and tired and, and fatigued but smiling because I know somebody watched how I showed God's light throughout the day, and, and it makes a difference. And, and people, are, um, people react differently and change the way they think because of how God has allowed uh, us to journey through this, and, and it makes a difference. And, and um, if there's one person that comes to salvation, then it's all worth it. I want to kind of bring this... I guess, to, to a full circle a little bit. And that's not an act. And that's not something that you just picked up leaving the doctor's office that afternoon. Like you didn't pick up a pamphlet of, now that life sucks, let's figure out how to trust and let's figure out. Like there was a process that God has been doing some things. And this is why, again, these moments on Sunday morning matter. Community at house groups matter. A Bible study and prayer time with people matter. And you may be thinking, listen, life is good, and I just don't really have time. My business, you know, I got it. But taking time in the moments where the storm is not brewing yet has been so fundamental. And I know that has been, again, so when I have asked, sitting on the back porch, how in the world? I don't get it, guys. How are you guys? Uh, you, you drew me to an answer that I already knew, but it, it, and you put it in way of, of game time. This isn't, again, something you just picked up going out. So I guess just for those that aren't dealing with something, what would you tell them? And for those that are dealing with something, you get to, the, to rewind back and find this and make sense of some of these moments and go, oh, I'm glad now. So, so kind of let's end right there. Like we're, For everybody that's looked in amazement and gone, I don't think I could, and I don't know how, and I'm just amazed, there is something... It, it's not, while in its uniqueness, it's not that God is only being unique to you. Mm -mm, mm -mm. That he is saying, listen, I'm, I'm here for the long haul, but there are some things I think would be important and key and fundamental so that in these moments, this can be the response. I frame it this way. When in our Christian walk, if we, what I say, play patty cakes with God, so we show up on Sunday, and then we don't talk to him much. We don't open his word. We don't, you know, we just, we have our own different motivations for why, but we've just got God over here instead of here. And for me, the way I frame this is you got to show up to practice every day. If you're training for something, if you're part of, if you're, if you're trying to, if an athlete is trying to uh, take the field, at any point, you've got to train. You've got to show up to practice every day. You've got to get it to the point that it's muscle memory. You've got to open the playbook, hashtag Bible. You've got to get in there, and you've got to just be so soaked in it that when it's game day, you're ready to take the field. But the interesting thing about life is you don't know when game day is. Something will happen to every single one of us sitting in this room. It's going to. And that's not like doom and gloom. That's not like you don't trust Jesus enough. Because I'm telling you what, somebody comes up to me and says, maybe your faith wasn't strong enough. I will throat punch them. Okay? I'm not playing. Like, <laughs> that is not why this happened. We have an enemy. But you have to be ready to take the field whenever game day happens. For me, this didn't change. Like I didn't have a wake up. We didn't need a wake up call. Like you heard our life was great. We we're serving, we're engaged. Like I'm not closer to God because of this. It's just a continuation on and I'm experiencing him in different ways now. But um, you know, when you take the field, you're also gonna take some hits. But you have to know 
how to navigate it because you trained. And so that's the, the encouragement that I would give. You know, Art and I will be back at the Respond um, banner after church. And if you want to talk more about this with us, we, you know, we want to pray with you, talk with you. But the encouragement I have to give you is this. If you're not, if God is not your number one, if you don't wake up talking to him, go to sleep talking to him. If he's not who you turn to when it's tough, if you're turning to a bottle, if you're turning to a pill, if you're turning to anything but him, you, you haven't been practicing. So that's my encouragement to you. And if you need to know how does that even look, then let's talk. And I want to end with probably one of the greatest statements of faith and trust that, uh, and peace. Uh, we were sitting at Tin Cup, and you made this, both of you made this statement. It does not matter what happens. I will never be disappointed in God. And I pray that, again, we get to these places where together we journey and our faith has reached a point where we say, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know why this is happening. But I know this. I will never be disappointed in God. And that there is just something that solidifies in that moment our footing, uh, regardless of what's happening physically or relate. Like, there's something in that that allows us to experience these moments of peace and joy and, and story that can be launched into the hearts and lives of people uh, because of those realizations that while something in my life has changed, God doesn't. And while, yes, it's easy to say, you know what, this sucks, I'm going to pursue what is holy and saying that God is still good. I just want to say thank you guys for the courage and for the inspiration and everything that has gone with this. And I know that, uh, you know, I, we said this morning during our prayer time out here is that, you know, there's, there's no resolution in this story, but there is a resolve. You are resolved to continue to lean on your faith and continue to lean on joy and continue to lean on peace and continue to lean on story that is still being written, uh, but it's being written to be told and it's going to continue to be told. And so you guys give it up. Thank you for Art and Lisa. Appreciate thought about something in my life this last week that's not cancer, but um, something I just want to encourage you with as we close down this entire series. Art mentioned being out on the water, and uh, water is such a peaceful place. Any water people in here that just, man, doesn't matter if it's a pool, Lori and I are getting ready to travel this week to some blue water, man, we're just looking forward to that. It can be a lake, it can be a river. Love to kayak. So anytime I can get on water, man, I'm all over it. I love to, to get on water. I've been on water with Art and Lisa. Man, what a just peaceful sunsets and great company. A couple of years ago, I was out on Old Hickory with a friend of mine, and he lives, uh, he has a dock on the Mount Juliet side. And uh, we had gotten a little ways out. We were just kind of milling around and if you've been around Tennessee for a minute, you know that the weather can change really kind of quick, especially in the summer and the heat of the summer and as storms roll through. If you looked on the radar, there I mean, it was, it was literally just a, a pin. Because I looked at him and I said, is this supposed to storm? He's like, no, I don't think so. I said, well, it, it looks like it's about to just drop. The bottom's about to drop out. So we pull up, like I said, and it was just this little pin, and it was just one of those little pop-up storms that hits in the middle of summer like summer does. And so just in a few minutes after that, we didn't have time to get back to his dock. And so we just said, I guess we're here. And so he got us into some shallower water, got us out of the channel if you've been at Old Hickory. And then he goes and he begins to dig around in the front of the boat. I was like, maybe he's getting a life jacket. I don't know what's coming, you know. He pulls out this big piece of steel that had these little spikes on the end. It was an anchor. And he goes to the front of the boat and he throws that over. And I was like, you think that's going to help? He said, well, it'll keep the boat from rocking completely up because I don't know what's coming. I just know a storm's coming. 
Hebrews chapter 6, the writer says, we have this hope. And the hope that he's talking about, if you can expand 6 and even back into chapter 5 in this complete thought, the hope that he's talking about is that there is a hope in the certainty of the promises of God. Because he's already laid out how God is good and God is faithful and God is merciful and God is all present. All these things have been laid out. And he says, you can have this hope. And he says, as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Now, here's the thing about the anchor that my buddy threw out. He didn't wait till the storm came. It was already on the boat. And I'm afraid sometimes too many of us get caught in a storm, then we go looking for an anchor that we've never put on the boat. So I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I'm telling you, start investing in an anchor. And if you're in the midst of a storm, it's not too late. God will put an anchor on the boat. And the anchor, again, is this hope, this trust that you can take in his goodness and his faithfulness. And and in these moments where the boat might tip up, you can go, I'm just going to go and get out of the compartment what I've been putting in it the whole time. And so, again, that's why we love together. That's why we love to tell a story. I hope in this series... If you haven't been here for all of them, you got a snapshot today. But I hope in this series that it has made you realize, made us realize and begin to see in real time. You know, it's easy to point people here. And and I have such great respect and faith for the truth that is in here. But sometimes, every now and then, it's good to see something in real time. And this whole series has been about you seeing in real time that the gospel is still alive. That God is still in the midst of us. That God is still active. That God is still pursuing us. God is chasing us. God is seeking us to rescue us, to transform us, to redeem us. You know, we've talked about all kinds of stuff. We've talked about cancer. We've talked about sin. We've talked about lifestyle. We've talked about bad choices that were made years ago. We've talked about all kinds of things. And what we have seen is that God is still writing in the midst of people in 2019 stories, gospel stories of redemption. Stories of healing and stories of breakthrough. He's still writing stories of restoration and new beginnings and old habits. He's still in the writing business because he's in the people business. And so I'm going to end today. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray over the Rich family. So I'm going to go ahead and get Art and Lisa, if you don't mind, come back up here. I want to invite their kids. I want to invite Lucas and Xandra as well. And Row, Row, you here? We're going to pray over them, but I want to invite anybody else. I'm going to have our shepherds come down here because I know that there's got to be some other storms in the building today. And I'm going to guess there's some boats that don't have anchors. And maybe there's some boats that have anchors and... You just don't know how to throw it off and you feel like that I'm on the boat alone. So don't you stand with me and here's the way we're going to end today. I'm going to pray for them, but if you're in a moment where you are dealing with something, you just want to come down here. Just fill this front space and find one of our shepherds and have them pray over you. I know that some of you are facing some job uncertainty. I know that some of you are in marriages that you don't know if they'll last till Christmas. Some of you are in marriages that maybe you've already started the process. Some of you are in the process of relationship. You're trying to decide whether you want to be married. For some of you, you may be in their boat. I'm waiting a test. Or I just got the results of a test last week and I don't have the courage to even speak it. Because I haven't even told anyone. For some of you, you may say, listen, I have told everybody I know and we've been praying and there's still seemingly nothing's happening. Does God care? And I want to remind you that God's promises does not change. He has promised that he'll be with you. He'll promise. And I love what Art, what you say, that healing's going to come one way or the other. That's a promise. 
For some of you, you may be in the midst of just an absolute faith wreck. What you thought or what you once believed has been completely wrecked because of circumstance. And I'm going to tell you, there's some great people that will help you. Not that we have answers to everything or that we figured it out, but will help you see the God who cares, the God who loves. For some of you, addiction is absolutely crippling. And for some of us, we don't even know. We don't see it because you... You just have this place that you put it through the week and you kind of do your thing and you don't think anybody would notice or does notice and if they did, they wouldn't care. But because of that, underneath what's happening is you're rotting, you're eroding inside and relationships are beginning to suffer. I talked to a guy this morning. Starting in the fall, we're going to try to use our offices for some addiction meetings. And so we know that's a real struggle. So for some of you... You're like, man, I I really wish I had an anchor to throw off the side of my boat in the midst of this addiction storm because it's about to cost me everything that matters. I don't know what it is, but I just have this hunch that something, I have a feeling that in a group this size, there's something that you say, wish I could offload it today. Because I don't want you to leave here not realizing that's an option. I don't want you to walk away from this series thinking that the current story that is being written is all there is to the story. There's so much more. So allow God to again take control of the pen and begin to write something again that's beautiful, that's healing, that's breakthrough. And then we're going to be dismissed into a time of communion where again it's the symbols of all things made perfect. Not because of what we do, not because of what we bring to the table, but because who hosts the table, and that's Jesus. And so after I pray, we're going to move into that time. And again, just navigate the room however you want, whether it's up front to be prayed for, respond. Maybe you don't have the courage to do either of those. Just write it on a card. We'll pray throughout the week. You don't even have to put a name. We don't care. Father, this morning, as we have heard great testimony of joy and faith in the midst of some things that really, really suck, We pray, God, that we will turn our eyes to you. God, I prayed this morning and uh, standing on this spot. That healing can come. God, I was very specific this morning. I prayed that while Art sat on the chair this morning that you would heal him. whether you do or not, it's not because we don't pray that in faith. We pray knowing you can, but we know that if you don't, that you're still using this for good. You're still being glorified. You're being honored. So again, God, in front of a a witness of of all these people, we pray healing. God, we pray that something happened miraculously this morning and when he goes back to the doctor this week, they're like, we don't know what you're talking about. If not, God, we pray that we use this trip to Houston to use a doctor to perform a miracle or to use a medicine that Nashville didn't know about or didn't have. God, we pray that again, healing, physical healing, would be a part of his story. And in the uncertainty of that, God, I'm grateful for the way they have approached the story grateful that they have chosen joy. I'm grateful that they have chosen to not look at what is happening as a waste of time or energy, but as an opportunity to again highlight and propel you into the back rooms of CMAs and in the social media world of Facebook and and in in the private conversations that they will have or the, the hearts and the ears that heard it today that will go to a neighbor that's dealing with cancer or go to somebody who's dealing with something hard at work tomorrow and go, listen, I heard a story at church yesterday about circumstances change, but God doesn't. Do you know? Do you know? And if not, can I introduce you? Can we talk about? Father, I pray for Lucas and Zandra Rowe as they watch from a different perspective, but one that is nonetheless just as full of opportunities for fear and doubt to attack them. God, you will 
make them and create within them as young, younger Christians, as younger believers, will you make them cagers? People who will cage those fears, cage those things, and again, bring them to you. And Father, I pray that they continue to love their mom and dad so well as they have. So give them strength to continue that. I know that that has to be difficult and hard. And God, again, the human emotion and selfishness creeps in. And and so I just pray that they continue to keep their eyes on you and continue to be agents of encouragement and belief and faith. Father, again, we just pray that whatever comes our way and as drab as the story may appear at the moment, that it's not over. Not as long as you're a part of it. Not as long as you're the author of it. So God, we again, we just pray that you'll use something today or something throughout this series to cause us to lean in and cause us to question not why, but how do I get closer to you and how do I get more of you? So Father, again, we are just so grateful for the opportunity to hear and to share in each other's story as you are the author of all of our stories. Father, we're grateful for the story that sits on these tables, the story of your son, the story of ultimate sacrifice and suffering that again led toward glory. It led toward our purification, our righteousness, and we're so grateful for that. And the promise that is found at this table that we're about to gather around and partake of is this. It doesn't matter what happens in life. You've already won. You've already taken care of it. You've already overcome it. And so, Father, we take it in great faith and trust today. We pray this through your son's name. Amen. You guys are dismissed to the tables.